You're listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. Tennille, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, share deep passion for the snow. They started the podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel. Our houses are always Airbnb ready, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. Today we talk with Adam Dixon. He's one of our Australian snowboard cross athletes. He has stood on World Cup podiums and his career has seen him race in many international finals. He currently sits 20th in the snowboard across rankings. He's on contract with the Australian Olympic Winter Institute. And as we chat today, he is right amongst it in Austria, training and racing for his selection for the Beijing 22 Olympic team. He's resilient in his pursuit, a pioneer of the developmental pathway for snowboard across athletes in Australia and an all-round nice guy. How are you going, Adam? Good. How are you guys going? Pretty good in, uh, in rainy Sydney. Where are you located at the moment? Nice. Um, I'm in style in Austria. Yeah, it's quite getting into winter over there, getting prepared. Ah, sorry, you just cut out a bit. You were saying um, getting into the training and what did they build you? They built us a snowball cross course at the moment, which is very nice. Um, So it's kind of the place to be at the moment uh, for most of the teams in Europe. Did they build you a field track? Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, There's about seven or eight turns and um, a whole lot of features in between. So what other features? What is, what does a track look like usually? Um, so a track usually consists of uh, a start section, which is a bunch of short, usually sharp features, uh, anything from things called Wu-Tangs or little jumps or rollers and things like that, step downs. And then a couple of key features are basically jumps, rollers, which are big mounds of snow, and berms, um, so the turns. What's your favourite bit of the park? If you were to ride, um, yeah, my favorite part is definitely the start section. Yeah. Um, so all the the Wu Tang's little jumps, um, those nice and fast uh, start sections. Where'd you grow up, Adam? Uh, I grew up in Jindabyne, uh, New South Wales, so down near Parisher and Threadbow. And I read that you went down there, Snow Mountains Grammar. Snow Mountains Grammar, yeah. So yeah. there's two schools in Jindabyne, uh, Jindabyne Central School and Snow Mountains Grammar, and I went to the grammar school. So is that because there's more of a skiing program, snowboarding program at that school or it's just the choice that was made by your parents, you had no say? <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm pretty sure it was just more of a choice by my parents and um, that's the school we went to. Did they grow up in Jindabyne, your parents? No, uh, they all grew up in Sydney. So I was born in Sydney and then we moved down to Jindabyne just because we love the snow. I'd been on snow since I was two years old, learned to ski and everything like that. My parents were avid snowgoers. Uh, every second weekend driving down from Sydney. So they eventually got fed up with it and we went down and bought a place and moved and tested it out for a year, loved it and never left. Oh, mountain towns. It's hard to leave a mountain town once you're there, hey? <laughs> yeah, they definitely suck you in. <laughs> yeah. So do you have, um, is is Alex your brother? Yes, Alex huh? is my younger brother. I have two yeah. brothers, one yeah. older, one younger, and a younger sister as well. Wow. Family, family of four. Five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Five? Is that the maths on that? Four. Four. <laughs> <laughs> and are you, where do you fit into the family? Oldest, youngest? I am the second oldest. 
second oldest. Is everyone following your footsteps and <laughs> all, all got their own different? <laughs> no, no, everyone, everyone's got their own different talents and interests and things like that. My younger brother, Alex, did do snowboarding for quite a bit and he went to the Youth Olympic Games. Yeah. Uh, and got second there, which is pretty incredible. Wow. Um, and my little sister had a had a dig at snowboarding and things like that, but she's currently going through a HSC. So so she's going through her final year at school and focusing on that for a fair bit. Yeah, but I don't know. How did you how did you get into uh snowboard cross of all things? Um, it was a bit weird. Uh I did the Parachute Winter Sports Club program uh growing up and doing slope style quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of my friends uh, did this border cross program, which is completely foreign to me and things like that. But uh, we went down to Hotham and did the ANC races and um, what was Ski and Snowboard Australia Futures Camp at the time. Tested it out, thought it was pretty cool. And then so we went overseas, me and that friend, to France to live in a place called Puy Saint Vincent for four months and do their local border cross program there. And then you once we French. tested that out, I used to. I can get by. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> if someone's talking to me, so I can understand a fair bit, but I would say I'm very, very fast. So yeah, did that four month program there. Really, really enjoyed it. Basically, everything kicked off from there. So that's kind of how I got started. And from there, I went over to the US and did a bunch of the North American programs and those North American races. Do you work on the same circuit as the skiers or the snowboarders work on a completely different circuit? Because we haven't, you're our first snowboarder we've spoken to. That is actually, yeah, it's... Nice. Um, it is It is a different circuit. Uh, on the odd occasion, uh, the ski cross and the snowboard cross will compete at the same event uh, pretty much yeah. at the same time. We'll have like a qualifying day and the skiers will go and then we will go after or vice versa or something like that but it's not too often where you get the skiers and the snowboarders competing um, in the same week on the same track yeah are the tracks similar to the skiers yeah very similar the the skiers have a couple of different features including what's called a negative turn Uh, so if you think about the berm which is basically a big c or something like that they go around the outside of the peak, yeah, okay, which is funky to us and for snowboarders on one edge to do that. So, what what made you go into snowboard? Because you said you started out at skiing in our little pre-chat. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah I started skiing uh, when I was two years old. Basically, what happened is we took a family ski trip to Canada, uh, and then all of us boys, so my dad and my two brothers, tried out snowboarding at the end just for fun. Because it's this new new thing, um, and <laughs> I loved it, and pretty much didn't pick up a pair of skis after that. Yeah, ah, that's the, that's the danger. That's why we get our kids to start skiing first, in case <laughs> in case yeah. they never go back. I'm, Absolutely, I'm, like, I'm I'm all, I'm all for learning skiing first. Yeah, yeah, I'm a bit like, oh, okay, girls, you can ski. We've got two days left. You can snowboard. Till you, yeah. you, when your wrists are broken, you'll be fine. You haven't ruined my holiday. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We're going home anyway, so. Yeah, exactly. I was just going to ask you about your World Cup. Did you have like a series like between when you were over in the States and then when was your first World Cup? Uh, My first World Cup, I think, was 2017. It was actually the test event for the Korean Olympics. Um, Mm -hmm. That was my very first World Cup which was really cool. Uh, yeah, wow. And then so you get selected into the New South Wales, like Institute of Sport, yeah? Mm-hmm. And then do they support you and tell you what races you should go to so that your final goal is that World Cup or fill in the gap between N-Swiss and kind of getting to your first World Cup? So the way that we did it, it's a bit different now, uh, which is it's 
better that it's different now um, and things like that. But what N-Swiss was when I was coming through was basically just the Institute of Sport and their main support was um, all the strength and conditioning stuff and the facilities they had in Australia. There was some financial support and you did represent the Institute in those races, but it was kind of just, you can pick whatever race you want and go do them. You had to qualify for World Cup. So there was criteria through um, FIS, which is the Federation International Ski, um, to actually compete. So you had to have a certain amount of points, do all these things, but you could enter. So the North American races, NORAMs, basically whenever you want and whichever races you could go to, you could compete. Um, same with Europe, yeah, European Cup races, so the Europa Cups. A um, bit different now, but that's kind of how it started for me. And then once I had accumulated some points and got a few good results, <clears throat> I talked to the head coach of OWI at the time because they are the ones that look after um, basically the process at these World Cup events and the applications and everything like that. So once I got a few wins at the North American races and a few really good results, then I had enough points and they felt like I was at a high enough level to be able to come over, compete and race safely and actually compete and do well instead of just going there to not qualify. Or- so it sounds like the OWI is kind of, do you have to go and approach them? They're not looking at your kind of progression. Do you have to go, hey, this is what I've done? Or they, they're actually... No, 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 they definitely are. Yeah, they okay. definitely are, um, yeah. especially now. Um, we've got our fingers in kind of every part watching, all the athletes coming through uh, because it's not the – we don't have the biggest group of kids coming through. It's quite specific, but we're lucky to have the interest we do in snowball cross. But at the time, it was not as supported at the lower levels, so we kind of had to do it our own. At the moment, and from I think it was three years ago when I finished off – four years ago now, it was when I was coming through onto – when I was being a lot more consistent on World Cup courses, races and events, we basically created the N-Swiss program um, as a team. Yeah. So now that now we have an N-Swiss coach and athletes and they have a program overseas in this international season. And so there's a, quite a lot more support for the developmental pathway from basically ANC Nor- uh, NORAM races coming up into norams europa cups and then to world cups and that's kind of the progression now it just gets more and more professional doesn't it and and more finely tuned absolutely lots of trial and error and we've eventually started getting it right is that is that because snow australia's kind of come on board they've made it one happy family i don't know yeah yeah (laughs) absolutely it's it's becoming quite a lot more so it's a lot more concise there's um a lot more support for the pathway programs um, in Snow Australia and, and Swiss and things like that. So everyone's fine-tuning it quite a lot and doing a pretty good job at uh, getting everything sorted. I'm having a uh, hot chocolate because um, just to kind of channel my Switzerland. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so, okay, so you're Austria now, so you're in Schnitzelland. Um not Switzerland, Schnitzelin. Um, so where, how long have you been in Austria and what did you do before? Where were you going next? Um, so we've been in Austria. This is our second week here. Uh, so all in all, I've been overseas for about four weeks now. Uh, we had two weeks in Switzerland, a place called Sasfe, where there was an, also another border cross track, but because that then opened to the public, uh, I got knocked down. And <clears throat> the ski was- oh. Yeah, so everything, everything at the moment, because it's still pretty early in the season, uh, we're snowboarding on glaciers at the moment so big massive ice fields that are covered in snow and 
um, have some lifts on them. Um, so yeah, we had two weeks here in Pittsdale. We are leaving on Friday to go back to our kind of our home away from home place called Lezer in Switzerland, where my coach is from. Yeah, we will have a week there riding around on another glacier called Glacier Three Thousand with just a bit of relaxed training and lots of strength and conditioning stuff because we have one of our physical coaches over here. And then we are actually off to China for our first World Cup and that's going to be our Olympic test event. On the actual hill that you'll be in in Beijing? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm pretty sure from what I know, it should be the the same course, same area, the whole deal. Wow, that's amazing. Not many athletes get to do that before the Olympics, do they? Like winter ones? So yeah, that's absolutely. Really- lots Lots of events got cancelled. Uh, lots of their test events got cancelled. So we're pretty pretty fortunate to be able to get over there yeah. um, in two weeks or in a week. So it sounds like there's a bit of time waiting around too in between like racing and kind of. So how do you keep mentally prepared for your next? What are we? What are we? Ninety days out or something? Aren't we like under a hundred now? Yeah, something like that. We're definitely under a hundred. Yeah, um, it's certainly a big challenge. Um, fortunately for us, we have quite a lot of races this season before the olympics and still in the qualifying period so i think we have about five or six races before february and well before the middle of january when the olympic qualifying period ends um so once we start at china we basically don't have a rest until christmas and even then it's only a week and a half and then back at it until essentially march when we go home yeah, wow. So have you got a Christmas in China? No, no, no. So oh. after China, we've got only the week in China for the race. And okay, then we'll yep. come back to Europe for another five races. Uh, okay. Christmas break. So um, I noticed um I, I noticed on your social media you talk a little bit about um how to learn learning to take criticism. And it's interesting because I thought at your top level, I mean, what is there to improve on? Like what fine tuning gets to be done at this stage? I mean, what criticism are you being told that you can improve on? Um, Lots of different things. For me personally, um, it's at this kind of level. It's not massive things that are going to make a huge difference. Like I'm not going to change one thing. It's going to add five seconds to my time or take off five seconds to my time. That is, it's always about, trying to get a little bit better at 1% of the course that'll give me 0.3 of a second down the bottom in continuously improving my consistency on each run uh, and not just the technical aspect of it but things like my mental preparation my let's say aggressiveness as I go through the track so kind of like my body position and awareness and whatnot it's always kind of the job of the coach to keep pushing us and keep Find um, something. Does he have to? He, he yeah. They have to find something to pick you up on. Is that right? Essentially, it's 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 not finding things to like say that we did bad. Um, there's always the element of oh yeah, you didn't done this well. You can improve this this run. You did this, uh, so let's work on that for a little bit. And sometimes, especially with international coaches, it can be hard to understand. And um, there is a bit of a language barrier there, but keeping in mind that everyone's always on the same page. Everyone has the same goal. And Ben's in knees. Ben's in knees. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> oh, funny. <laughs> so getting on to, like we asked um, Sammy last week about, she, she's quite calm. We were like, wow, don't you have to get some full-on aggression to be in border cross? Because it is, you're not racing yourself, you're racing others. What's your take on the aggression? Does it work for you or doesn't? You've got, there's a fine line, yeah? Yeah, there's absolutely a fine line. So for the longest time, 
um, at the beginning of races, I'd be super nervous and super energetic and um, be really ready to go. So I had to calm myself down quite a lot. So using breathing exercises, um, going through my process, getting ready for the heat and things like that um, would help calm me down. But then I've kind of gotten to a point now where I need to switch that. I got too calm and too relaxed in the race and actually had to kind of amp myself up and get that adrenaline going kind yeah. of bring that aggression out in the heat because um and just not let people get past and uh, just get in the way and really get into racing with people i think everyone has their own talents uh, i couldn't <laughs> pick a specific country um, <laughs> That'd be really with great. the aggression let's say <laughs> um uh, but yeah that is something i'm working on um Jeff definitely getting better at holding that um tension through the whole race and being able to switch on when needed i'll, just, I'll channel some of my homeschooling aggression to you lockdown lockdown homeschooling sorry do you ever um i mean how do you do you ever give yourself some kind of extrinsic motivation have you got anything like i don't know like if you win you will buy yourself something or is it all intrinsic or is it a bit of both um certainly a bit of both i think uh, most of it would come from the intrinsic motivations uh, about just loving this sport and wanting to do it and wanting to do well um and push myself to be the best i can be but it's always there when if you win a race or win a certain amount of prize money you're pretty excited go out for a good dinner or something like that yeah buy some more snowboards because i don't have enough of those apparently how many how many have you got i currently have eight eight i think you've got enough no that's a a mother that's a mother again speaking (laughs) sorry (laughs) for the races have you got different length boards for you know for a full track for um if you know that you're going to race that type of track do you bring out a different length do you bring out more of a side cut on your board? Tell us about the equipment. Uh, no, for me, all my snowboards are built the same, uh, pretty much. So the, the length is the same, the construction is the same. Uh, there's just a bunch of different um, things we do with waxes uh, at the top of the course that generally our wax technicians look after. So they their job is basically making our boards fast and having more snowboards generally helps that. And um, what brand? What so brand? having all the boards that are the same for me works really well. And what brands are you riding on? I am currently riding on Apex snowboards. We'll say um, that again. Built out of Austria, they're an Austrian company. Apex, yeah. Nice. That's that's awesome. Um, a lot of the a lot of the snowboard builders are uh, international European companies, but Apex is one I go with. Yeah. So what about your boots? Did you ever, would you ever ride hard boots? <laughs> Did you ever get on the hard boots and do like full downhill or never? I haven't, no. <laughs> I haven't. It'd be really interesting to try. Uh, I I know it's super weird and it's pretty cool, but I haven't tried it yet. Don't have the time right now. <laughs> you know, back in the day when snowboarding actually started, that's all they had when I learned to snowboard was in hard boots. <laughs> so sad. Absolutely. <laughs> Friggin' scary trying to go from edge to edge. It's pretty and do you have any sponsors at the moment? Not really at the moment. No, I don't really have any sponsors. <clears throat> oh, well, we need to get you some. Hold on. <laughs> Boot sponsors, let me know. Yeah, well, hopefully doing more of these things. Uh, get me there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. You do definitely get out there. Get amongst it. You're an Olympian. <laughs> uh, no, so I ride. Uh, not yet, but I plan to be. Um, so the snowboard boots I ride are called Nidecker. 
uh, Snowball Boots. They are also a European company. Um, and yeah, they seem to suit me pretty well at the moment and I like them. So are they quite stiff? So when you like, so you can carve, but then you can actually land and not hurt your ankle. Yeah, so I, I like the in-between. Um, they are pretty stiff to begin with, but then they break in and end up being quite soft. I like being able to move my feet and ankles in my boots, so being able to feel the pressure of the snow um, and be able to turn well without having to just where my feet are and things like that. So a lot of more <laughs> movement. Um, I feel pretty warm in my boots all the time, so it's it's all about comfort. Yeah, true. Yeah. Sweet. So you're studying a bit of PT as well. You cert four and you cert five, cert three and cert four. How do you mm-hmm. how are you prepping at the moment? Like, what is your muscle regime to get you fit for the Beijing Olympics? Um, so we have a couple of strength and conditioning programs through and Swiss OWIA, um, and we're lucky enough to have one of those coaches over here at the moment. So he's currently taking care of all our strength and conditioning programs and everything like that. But basically. After a, let's say, four-hour block on snow every morning, we will then come back, have lunch, and then we always have a gym session after that. Whether it's a speed session, so doing a bunch of things like sprints, hurdles, running, um, jumps, power movements, or a strength session, uh, conditioning, which is basically just cardio, um, any sort of interval, running, rowing, bike. We are also pretty fortunate enough to be traveling essentially with our own gym at the moment. So we have weights and two bikes, like two stationary bikes. So we are prepared everywhere we go in Europe, that is. Is that all stuff that you take with you or do you kind of like line it up for the next place? Like you take specific stationary bikes? When we're in Europe, because all of the races in Europe we generally drive to. So we have that lined up at the beginning of the season and we're good to go and we have that for the whole season uh, and then we just drive at places yeah oh that's cool but thing things like china and the canada racing things like that, we'll have to either figure it out when we get there or program will line it up beforehand where's your race in canada no that is going to be after the olympics uh, so we'll have oh. three races after the games <laughs> canada's the first one and that is in la massive in quebec oh, out east yeah Maybe. east coast Advice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coming from China will be nice. Yeah, true, true. So, so tell us about the moment when you got okay. You're an Olympian. They gave you. They said, "Radio, you've made the team. You're going to Beijing." They haven't yet. That is going to come out after the Russian races. No, it'll be announced this coming day. Oh my god! Uh, right before the games. Yeah. So our Olympic qualifying period ends. I think it. It's around the 15th of January, straight after the two Russian races. So you have really got to be on your game now. Have you got, are you competitive within the world that you're in? Yeah, at the moment. I'm currently sitting 20th in the Olympic qualifying criteria uh, or on the World Cup ranking list. <clears throat> um, and I think it's the top 32, top 36 people go. So I'm sitting in a relatively good spot right now, but nothing's confirmed and I have to have a couple of good races to Let's say get some better results. <laughs> exactly. Oh, Fred, that's a lot of pressure. I didn't realise. I think, well, how do you deal with that, knowing that that's kind of over your head? There's another mental mind game, isn't it, really? It, it is, but um, that's kind of the sport we have and I, another reason why I do it. I, I enjoy the pressure. And, um, it gives me more motivation to train harder and push faster and get better and get to these goals that I have. Yeah, for sure. No, it's exciting. I mean, you're, you're right in the 
training, but um, yeah, you're right amongst it right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when you were a kid, did you know that this was going to be the way that the Olympic dream was going to be made? Did you know you were going to not get told until like a week out or not a week out, sorry, a few months out? Do they give you, do they prepare you for that when you're, when you're building your goals? Expectation management. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. uh, They don't really, uh, once that you're able to talk to the older athletes and, um, get the feeling from them that this is how it's gone in the past and these qualifying periods is how it how everything's run so we know what to expect when we're going for it essentially yeah okay i think um sean sean fleming in his interview with us talked a bit about that you know didn't he yeah about trying to build into the up-and-coming athletes about the the realities of the process and that it's all not getting into teams and then it's Olympic Games. It's a hard slog along the way and lots of um, races in between, possibly not getting in and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And that was pretty much my experience with the last Games in um, Korea because at the time we had more athletes than spots. So only four men, uh, four people per gender, per event are allowed to go as long as there are enough qualifying spots. Um, And last year we had, I think it was six or seven men going for the four spots. Yeah, last Olympics. And I ended up sitting, I think, fifth on that list. So I just missed out on the last game. And you just had to welcome that reality that if you had to get certain results to qualify for these games and the best four men would go and that wasn't me at the time the plan is to be in on that list it is now yeah so who are the other guys on your team at the moment on the aussies so right now who we have here is cam bolton um adam lambert uh myself bell brockoff josie baff and mia at the moment here in the hotel uh, we also have Jared Hughes on OWI. That's a nice, that's a really nice, you're surrounded by really successful people in that group, isn't there? So that's enough to drive you? Yeah, exactly. Does it's success having, around you drive you? Yes, absolutely. Surrounding yourself with the people that um, have share the same goals um, and share the same competitiveness is really good just because it helps increase the level of everyone around them keeps pushing the team to be better and enjoy it more. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the better you get, the more you enjoy things in life. Isn't it true? <laughs> it's like... Absolutely. <laughs> so did you, ha- did you have any mentors? Like I'd love to bring up Chumpy because he's a massive part of snowboard across, you know. So what a bloody well, absolutely. huge and loss. He, he was. It was an incredible loss to the sport and to the world, uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately mm. for me, uh, he was... <laughs> one of my first really like my first exposure to what athletes were um, in the sport of snowball crossing so when i did that futures camp to begin with he was one of the coaches because the athletes coach the younger kids so that was my first exposure to border cross even even when moving from that level to getting on the team and things like that he was always kind of heads and shoulders above everyone else so learning how to compete with him and being able to race um, at the same levels, him was incredible, uh, but he was always always showing up just that little bit more. And so say that bit, um, yeah, and we'll cut yes. this bit out. <laughs> yeah. All good. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he he kept showing up just that little bit more. So it was always pushing me just faster, harder, and to be better, uh, a better athlete, not just on the snowboard, but in all aspects of life and things like that. So he was a big, big mentor and. Um, 
one of the best examples we could have. Amazing. Human beings, we really are a community. We're community-minded people and we can't, we can't develop in a vacuum and it is so important to have these mentors and, um, you know, it's nice looking through your social media and, as I mentioned before, that you were talking about taking on criticism but also just your coaches and, like, you're talking about Chumpy Pullen and, um, I mean, who was your heroes when you were growing up? In the, did you have any snowboardy or, I don't know, I guess even skier? Do you have any? Who was on your poster? Didn't really have anything like that. It certainly would have helped researching everything quite a lot more, but I, I was always kind of a, I'll figure it out when I do it. And, um, I kind of kept my head in the sand or the snow in this case and just got down and did whatever sport I did. Um, so. I, it probably would have helped my development to get out and learn who's actually in the sport and do those things. But that didn't come to it quite a lot later when I was in it. Yeah, sometimes you don't know. When did you work out that, like, okay, game on, this is what I want? Um, it would have been the second international season I did doing snowball cross. So that first season in France, I thought this thing was pretty cool and wanted to do it again. Um, and yeah. then coming back from uh, North American season, I went, yeah, okay, this is this is my career and I'm loving this and this is what I want to do. So what age were you? I was 19. Wow, that's young. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, it's so 19, wow. What, what's your age? I am 25. 25, I, 25. I turned 26 in December. Oh, you're still a baby. So is there anyone that's close to you right now that you go, okay, that's where I, that's where I need to be at the second race? And if you're in their times, if you're in their... Do you work like that or you don't? You just think about yourself and what you're doing. A bit of both. I think for me it's a lot more focusing on my race, my run, and performing the best I can, looking at someone else. Yep. So there's this whole element of comparison with other athletes um, because of that's just how sport is. Um, yeah. More focusing on my job and what I can do. Yeah, perfect. I, I think it, I think if you're at your level, that's what you have to do, don't you? You can't worry about who's there and who's there. It's got to be in your own self. What makes a good snowboarder cross for the younger guys, younger girls and guys of today? What would you say focus on? Uh, um, for the very younger guys, um, <clears throat> an all-rounded snowboard skill, I think snowboard cross encompasses quite a lot of what snowboarding is. Where it's a lot of free riding, a lot of fast snowboarding, and being able to adapt to any conditions, any scenario, especially when there's three other people racing down a track next to you. Um, so you have to be able to uh, move around, adapt, and and do that kind of thing. So resilience in this sport is pretty key uh, because you can have the best race of your life, and then someone falls in front of you, or someone falls into you, and suddenly you're out. Uh, so being able to bounce back and um, work with everything you have and keep pushing forward. Yeah, cool. And um, we just want to ask you one last question before you head off for the day. Um, what's your, we end in this one, what's your favourite ski resort in the world and in Australia? Uh, yeah, so my favourite ski resort in Australia is Perisha, where I grew up and uh, <clears throat> where I live, so that's, Hands down there, but uh, my favourite international ski resort is this little resort in France called Cuisson Vincent. That's where I did that four-month trip. Um, it's super small. There's about five lifts in total, and you never get 
crowds there and it gets an incredible amount of snow. Wow, don't tell too many people about that then. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was debating whether to say it now. Yeah. Oh, I've got, I've got one last question. What's your, what's your thoughts on that? You know, you ride Sun Valley T-Bar and you head off to the right and they've got that little course that's down the side there. Do you ride that when you're I like it. Um, on the odd occasion, uh, we, for our training, we usually go down to Hotham um, and they build a pretty incredible track there. Um, so that's usually all of our watercross training there. But I'm still a parachute kid and I love going there and I love having my home resort be that one. But I, I definitely think they can they can build an incredible course in that Sun Valley area. So hopefully that happens in the future and we can develop that relationship a little bit. That would be amazing. My kids and I race down there and I get really scared that I'm not going to let them beat me nice. yet. <laughs> Can't let them do that. <laughs> Not yet, mate. <laughs> they're 17, so they get, they're right on my heels. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you so much for um today. I, we can hear the uh, action in the restaurant when they're in the hotel staying to pick up for the day. So that's good, everyone. Yes, it is. <laughs> it's exciting. Yeah. Mm-hmm, yeah, so time we'll, for breakfast. Yeah, yeah, we look forward to seeing your progress. Yeah, we awesome. do. Thank you very much, guys. I'll follow it online. Good luck. You're going to be there in the green and gold. I can feel it. That's the plan. Thank you very much. <laughs> no worries. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tanil. If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, Subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.